0: Hello and welcome back to In and Out the Locker Room, presented by Capital Championship Wrestling. I'm Melissa Marino, professional cereal eater and pro wrestling commentator. She is the host of a Wrestling Gal podcast and one of CCW's newest commentators, Ella J. And of course, our legendary guest. She is the first lady of hardcore, the innovator of intergender, and an absolute legend in the wrestling game, Lufisto.
1: Hello. <laughs> How are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm good. Thank you
2: so much for having me. Uh, I don't do many podcasts, but I'm like really excited about this one. <laughs> I can't say no to Alyssa.
0: <laughs> oh, right. I, that's I, I couldn't sweet. either. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are so excited to be chatting with you. And honestly, your journey so far, it's had twists turns, world travels, trails blaze, and so much more. So as they say in The Sound of Music, let's start at the very beginning, the very best place to start. Uh, You began your career at the age of, I believe, 17, it was? Yep. Okay. 17. 17, so such an early start. And for you, what was some of the best advice that you were given, either when you first got started or even maybe later on as you were developing in your journey? I would
2: say, well, the first, it wasn't really an advice. It was more of a warning. My first teacher goes like, so you want to join this class, right? There's, there's only guys, like you're the only girl. And there's like almost no other girls in the whole province right now. But uh, you know, do you really want this? I'm like, yeah, I really want this. And he's like, do you really, really want this? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) He's like, okay, here's the deal. It's really hard to become a professional wrestler physically and mentally. But for girls, it's so much worse I have no words I just want you to let you know you know that I want you to know what's up I'm like okay I had no idea at this moment how right he was and how much worse that it would be than I thought this moment like I was just like so excited to join and it was more like it's always been um some sort of Challenge because everybody was telling me, ah, oh, you're a girl, you can't do this. Uh, you're too small, you're out of shape. I'm not, I was not really too sports. I, I did a little bit of sports when I was a kid, but not much. I was more of a Nintendo kind of kid <laughs> and drawing, like that was my thing. I, I would I won contests and I would participate in like national contests. I even won one in the province of Quebec, and that was my thing, like really more towards heart. And I love the legend of Zelda. <laughs> So I was playing that all day. Um, And so that was the first kind of advice warning that I got. And I would say the best advice I got, um, I had it about a year later. When I moved to Montreal, I started training with a gentleman called Len Kojak Shelley. Len was a former wrestler of international wrestling, one of the biggest promotions that was in Quebec. And he told me, never forget that to know where you're going, you got to know where you came from and through him. Uh, cause he knew Vivian Pachon and that's how we became um, close because he's like, you remind me of her so much. She was my good friend. She was going through the same struggle. Um, she went down the streets of Montreal or I think for cause women wrestlers were not allowed in the ring. She went out like with signs, like Vivian wants to wrestle. And I was like, that's always been my thing. Let me wrestle. There's no, there's no girls. I don't care. I want to wrestle. So he's like, I see so much of her in you. So that's why he told me, like, you got to know where you're going. And Viviane already was gone at this point. But one of his, her opponents, uh, Miss Lise Raymond, she was one of the Quebec wrestlers that wrestled Viviane a lot. And he had her uh, meet with me. So she would like, let me know how it went for her and what to expect a little bit. Um, so yeah, I would say this advice, and I still apply it today. I always try to remember to go back in the past and study the past so I can kind of bring um, the best from that era into today. And with the years, as I grow older, I appreciate more and more of what was back then. And yeah, I try to incorporate it as much as I can, uh, whether it is as a wrestler or someone who works on the show as an agent or anything like that.
1: And you're definitely now in a kind of position where the roles are kind of reversed now to where you're on a platform where you can share your knowledge and your advice to this new crop of talent and the next generation going forward, not only as a producer at NWA Empower and also an analyst on Beyond the Bells. So can you tell us more about those experiences and now as a kind of a role reversal?
2: um it, it's something I was doing before even on the indies um I mean for the Beyond the Bell that was my first that I would actually be an analyst <laughs> so that was my first and I mean Alyssa's so good and Maria and you know she, she was in the board of directors she's been in this for so long so I had such a great team that it was kind of I was like very, very nervous, but it went so well with both of these ladies that like I really, really enjoyed. Because we talk, we talk ring of honor, but we talk about women's wrestling in general. So that's why it's like so fun. Um, but that was challenging, but I love it. I, I that's one thing I really like, like watching matches and analyze them and pick it apart and try to fix things. Honestly, if somebody asked me like, I hey, can you watch my match and give me comments? be ready for a 15 minute video. because I'm going <laughs> to send you like the little, little thing that I'm going to see. Your back was not straight enough. You didn't look this, you know, this way when you were doing this, your hair wasn't like, I really details like it's, it's almost annoying, <laughs> but I think it's one of my strengths. Cause I'm, I'm pretty good at seeing anything, like everything, anything and everything at the same time. And as for a producer, um, I haven't done it yet on the grand stage, but I have my visa. <laughs> I know, I it. saw. It's, it's, it's a matter now. Of, um, there's always formalities where you gotta go to the embassy, you gotta get your passport, Sam, so you can cry. I'm like it's, uh, honestly, like, I think I just lost 10 years of my life going through that process. It's, it's so stressful. It's so demanding. Um, and when you're dealing with a performer, producer, slash, uh, whatever, everything that has to do with wrestling, um, it's, it's like, you have to prove that you are an extraordinary individual and that you stand out and you have contributions for the business you're applying in. And it's, so I sent this much of papers of proof that I was worth it. But my God, getting that together and and trying to find an agent and then a sponsor and and you got to get your contracts and it's like ugh, the, the process is like a pain in the butt and I'm oh there's one more thing left and um, it's it's like the interview slash passport thing finally it's happening but. It's like, I won't be fully happy until I look at my passports and it's right in there. Like right now I'm like, but what if, but it's like, it's approved, but what if like, uh, yeah. Yeah, nothing is for
1: certain (laughs) in today's day and age. But one thing that is definitely for certain is you definitely do stand out. You're like a bona fide legend in the wrestling game. And of course that just stands apart as itself. As I mean, you have this nickname of the first lady of hardcore. And so from your perspective, I'm curious to know what has been the most hardcore or craziest thing you've ever witnessed or endured in professional wrestling. Lord. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> well I was in the Cage of Death with John Zandig, Lobo, and Nick Gage. So that's something. That's true. I went through a whole King <laughs> of the Death match tournament where I ended up in the main event with the necro butcher. So Necro Butcher's like was my toughest, scariest everything like matches when I think it when it comes to hardcore, because to me, like he 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 was like such a hardcore legend, and everybody talked about the Necro Butcher, and that's the time where we saw him on the Wrestler. And I remember when when you know, it was time for the main event, I was like, it was almost like, why am I going in there with the Necro Butcher? What's going on? <laughs> and so yeah, these two they they stand out, and I had one hell of a match with Mickey Knuckles in the finals of the queen of the death matches. Um, this one I won and Mickey's just like me. She likes to hit hard and go all the way and she's not scared of anything. And it's like, so that's, that I would say that's my probably probably my like favorite female, um, death match. And I had great ones with princesses too in Mexico. And, um, one more would be with Joe Leather in NJX in Mexico. Also, people still talk about this match today. And a lot of people are telling me it's the best intergender hardcore match they have ever seen on Mexican soil. And so I'm like, wow, this was like 2005. And you still think that. So that's that's kind of cool. So these are these are the four that really, you know, stand out for me as. Why did I do this? It was pretty cool. but <laughs> it was like, ooh. <laughs> the Necro Witcher, like the whole match, is like punches to the face and punches to the guts and kicks and then go. Like, I felt like my whole stomach was, oh, I don't know. <laughs> my back, everything, yeah. I even broke my hand on his face. I hit him so hard, I broke the top of my hand and I cracked the bone on his face. And I see him a week after, he's like, Oh, you broke your hand? He's like, yeah, I broke my face, but I'm okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, That's I'm like, a badass. Nothing. Wow. That's I a know. badass right I know. there. Fist, <laughs> he was wrestling that night. It was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. It's like you, you're you just made of something otherworldly, some otherworldly material. And, and you have these incredible accolades over your career. And some of them being some history-making moments as the first woman to do a lot of incredible things and truly You are the innovator of intergender. And last month, you shared a memory on your social media, which was an image of court papers from when you fought the government for female wrestlers to have the same rights as men when it comes to competition. So Mm -hmm. you took on the entire Ontario Athletic Commission and had wrestling removed from the commission. I mean, this was a really time and money consuming effort. What was the inspiration that kind of drove you so hard to do Um. that?
2: So I was wrestling in Quebec. I was already doing hardcore. I started doing hardcore like in 1999 and my first uh, intergender were late 1997. It was more of a mixed tag match. But then in 98, I was already working one-on-one with men. And I even like won a Cruiserweight Championship when I was 18. Um, so there was not a lot of things going on in Quebec, they had like specific places like within Montreal, there was ICW, and CW, and, but I wanted to branch out and I wanted to push my limits. So in hardcore, I feel it's always been about pushing my limits because everybody was telling me, you're a girl, you don't need to do this. Oh, that's disgusting. I was like, oh yeah, watch me. So after I did all that, I'm like, I need to go somewhere else. So I ended up in Ontario and for a promotion called the Artco Wrestling Federation. And I was the only girl that they didn't care. It was like, hey, well, just join in. And then you're doing hardcore too. We're going to do it too. We're going to do intergender. So we did a couple of shows. And I'm not, I'm not fully sure how it happened. But I know a promoter from another company called the commission and kind of brought back an old law that stated men and women cannot be in the ring at the same time. It's like from 1924 but it was still in the rules of the athletic commission so um the 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 commissioner had to kind of apply it he's like but he's like i have to do this it's in there it's in the books but it's like yeah but it's wrong mm-hmm. so the promoter that had me book it, i was like in the main event table death match or something so he calls me and he goes i'm so sorry i'm gonna lose my license because back then promoter you needed a license you need an insurance every wrestler needed a license to wrestle in ontario there were so many fees like it was ridiculous for a promoter and for the wrestlers we we needed a license every year and but it was not providing us with anything we didn't have a doctor or anything on the premises we were just throwing 75 bucks to the commission to have a little piece of paper um, So he calls me, he's like, I'm going to lose everything if I put you on the show. I'm like, I understand. And I hang up and I'm like, I remember clearly. And I'm like, no, this is so wrong. They're stopping me from doing something because of my gender. So we're talking 2002. So I, internet was Okay, we were past the 65, 66K or something. We were past that, a was quicker. So I found the human rights um, website and the phone number and I called and I remember back then, uh, now you take your cell phone and you call everywhere in Canada and it's free. Back then, calling Ontario was expensive. So I waited on the phone. I think I waited like two hours. Finally got to talk to someone and I explained the situation. They won't let me wrestle because of this law and because I'm a girl. And I remember the, the woman says like, oh, you got a case. You can't say that. It's it's wrong. No. So she's like, I'm going to send you a bunch of papers that to fill and then send them back. And so for over two, oh my God, that, that took so long, like, I said 2002, but I wonder if it was a little bit before that until I think 2004, March or something, or even 2006, it's so long. It felt so long uh, of, you know, signing papers, sending back the papers, being on the phone, because I did not attend court myself, but I had somebody representing me. So it was like calling and sending and paying and express and all that. And then I finally get the phone call. It's like, well, we did it. It's, it's, you can't go back to Ontario. They're going to remove the law. And I don't know exactly how the rest came about, but like a few days later, I've learned that the whole wrestling part of the athletic commission was taken down fully. So that meant promoters did not need license, did not need any specific insurance, nothing. So all those fees and the wrestlers as well, all those fees were gone and, um, yeah, from that moment, like, Ontario has been completely different.
0: Jeez. I mean, that's really, you've shaped that whole landscape. And, um, you know, we, we touched briefly on kind of the, the hardcore side of your career. And, and I'm curious, too, we've seen the title for you of The Wounded Owl. What, what is the significance behind The Wounded Owl?
2: I, I came up with the Wounded Out after because I was the super hardcore anime and I was more of a bubbly fun and I you know character and inspired from Japanese animes and the mangas and stuff and I really liked that they were so cute yet so violent and I wanted to bring that like in like a human form <laughs> and I have my doll manager that was a fluke because I wasn't supposed to keep her but she was so popular I had to and it's just that at one point I was like I felt like even some promoters did not take me seriously enough because I was more of a mid-card happy bubbly um character and not only that but I, I grew older so I was like you know walking the ring with a doll and dressed like an anime and more of a cosplay I was like uh it's I was bored and I felt like it wasn't me anymore at all. I'm more of an introvert I'm a heavy metal girl i like I said I was more when I was a kid like about drawing and art and Nintendo and uh, you know fantasy games and stuff and I'm like I really need to get out of that and I came up with the wounded almoninica because... Uh, It had been close to 20 years that I was in wrestling and, you know, how they present the owl as knowledge. And that's what you see when you go to university and it's such a powerful, it's a powerful animal. That's like quiet, but if you attack it, it's very vicious. So I was like, it, it really felt like me and wounded for the simple reason that, All the scars I collected throughout those years from the hardcore, from being totally beat up in some intergender matches because I was told I did not belong in there and I was not for women. And I thought I was better than everybody when all I wanted to do was wrestle. So that's why it's it's a long story for such a little moniker, but it has a lot of meaning behind it.
1: And you're definitely one who has come back from a lot of those scars, whether it's from illness or injury. I mean, not only potentially career, career ending, but life altering adversities. Mm-hmm. So for you, maybe what is the driving force or the support that's helped you through some of those darker times?
2: Um, It's it's always been my mission to prove that girls could do it, too. And it comes really from. At home, when I was a kid, my stepfather kept telling me, like, I didn't have a good relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, girls don't do this. You're fat. You're ugly. You're not going to do anything. Wrestling's not for girls. Uh, uh, you're going to get hurt. So, you know, the early days was to prove him wrong. And then it was to prove everybody wrong that I do belong in here. And I love wrestling so much. But it, I don't know how I lasted so long with um. You know, there was physical abuse in the backstage. I was the only girl. I don't know how many times somebody grabbed my butt or um, somebody tried to get in my shower when I was 17 when I was just starting, another wrestler. Um, I even found one of my opponents naked in the bathtub and I'm pretty sure they raped her. And I took her back to the hotel room and I washed her. And yeah, I don't know how... I don't know where I get that drive, <laughs> but I always felt like I have already made so many sacrifices for my craft. I'm like, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. This can't be for anything. You, you have that goal in mind. You have that. Um, I don't want to say dream. Cause for me, wrestling is a calling. It's the thing that, um, kept me going in life in general for so long and when it would be dark at home wrestling would be kind of my shining light even if it's backstage and everything and you know the comments when I was in that squared circle I felt home um so yeah to answer your questions I'm I just think I'm really hard-headed
0: <laughs> I don't know really I mean maybe it may be hard-headed but it's also you, you've you called it your, your calling, it's your craft and how much you you care and, and how much you love wrestling. And, and truly throughout your career, wrestling has taken you to some amazing places. I mean, throughout Canada, of course, across the US, Japan, Mexico, it's so much more. Has there been a particular location that you've traveled to where you felt a special connection? Germany. There is a connection
2: in Germany that I just can't explain. They sing my name (laughs) and it's, um, I don't know. I, I, I get so much love from Germany and the first match I had there, like, yeah, I just felt the love. And I'm like, I love this place. And they genuinely love wrestling. They're having fun. They're singing, they're drinking, they're screaming. Um, it's, yeah, it's really a place home away from home. And I can't wait to go back. Like with COVID, everything slowed down. But yeah, I'm not to spoil anything, but I, I will go back and it's going to be something big. I'm really, really excited about this. It's, it's, yeah, I really feel honored that they think so highly of me. And, um, I also won the femme fatale tournament from WXW. So yeah, uh, WXW in Germany, that's, I love them so much.
1: Of course. I mean, it's apparent you have this amazing connection with Germany and it's fans at all. And throughout your career, it's definitely spanned well over two decades now, and you've definitely faced a plethora of competitors from all around the globe. So for you, who are some competitors or teammates that you felt an in-ring connection with?
2: Um, I've always felt Mercedes Martinez was kind of my wrestling soulmate. We just went in there and just did it. Um, There's Saraya Knight also, in and out of the ring. Um, I think she's a wonderful lady. She's she's old school, she's rough, but she's she has a pure heart. She meant, she always wants the best for for you, even if she's gonna be harsh and into your face and you're not gonna like what you're gonna hear, you're gonna get fruit from her. And yeah, we just every time I wrestle her, we don't even talk. So like, I'll see you out there, and we just fight. <laughs> so we just fight. Um So these two, I really love my match with Josh Alexander. Uh, So much fun. Um, My God, who else? Uh, There's so many. Uh, I had fun with Leva. Kimberly is one of the other girls that I I love, love, love to wrestle. Um, Any like hard hitter, like it gets me into the match. So like so much like i had a match at people wrestling with kobe durst i was not even supposed to wrestle him we just went out there and beat the crap out of each other and it felt so good (laughs) i feel if you give me a lot i'll give you a lot too and it it gets me into that zone where i feel the love you have for this and it brings mine out and so anybody that does that um definitely definitely uh I love Japanese wrestlers Oh, my match with Kana Asuka and Asuka also as my partner. She was my partner in Shimmer for three years. We had great chemistry and more lately, uh, Jordan Grace. She's, she's like my little sister. (laughs) Like I love her so much. And I haven't seen her for two years and I saw her not too long ago and I was so happy. She's doing so great. Um, top, like, world-class power lifter <laughs> yeah. uh like she's she's amazing i love her i love her so much and yeah we had such a great chemistry in the ring people still talk about team pod today it's like we want the team back like it's non-stop and it's been like over two years since we have a team, but people still
1: talk about it and they're asking for it so Hey, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? 2022 is right around the corner. Mm-hmm.
0: It's channeling Maria with the, with the notepad. You know, anything can happen. <laughs> anything can happen. But so, I mean, obviously you have such a love for wrestling and you love to see it reciprocated. So who are some of the people who have particularly empowered you along your wrestling journey, whether it be on screen, in the ring or behind the scenes and why?
2: Um. I would say the first women that I looked at and I was like, you know, that inspired me. There's definitely Medusa, Mm -hmm. Luna Vachon, um, and Bolna And a little bit after that, Jazz. I love Jazz as a human being. I love her as an opponent. I love her as a fan. And to me, it's just amazing that once in a while she's going to send me little messages on my Facebook and I'm like, Jazz is talking to me like it's uh or, or Medusa. Um, it's like, it's unreal for me because I have so much respect for these women. Because um, you know, back then the Attitude Era and a little bit before, you had the women's match here and there. I felt like it was not really taken seriously. They had like five minute matches. And then for a while when there was Lita and Trish and Jazz and Victoria, It was a little bit better, but then after it kind of crashed until the recent like women's evolution. But to me, they were like models. So to talk to them or Mickey James, Mickey James, I'm like, that's that's nuts. Like I was watching them on TV and, um, so definitely these women are uh, inspiration. Um. John's ending from CCW. someone who believed in me when I did not. Uh, I was the only girl and people were laughing at me and he saw something in me. Uh, Kevin Steen goes like, you should give the belt to her as a joke. And he was like, hmm. And he did it. (laughs) Like, it was not serious, but he did it. And um, so definitely he's one of them. Uh, I know I'm forgetting people. I know I'm forgetting people, but... um, especially the early days, I would say, yeah, definitely, um, them.
1: Well, I would say you yourself too are definitely a huge inspiration for a lot of people in and outside of the wrestling world. You've overcome so many challenges, which you touched on earlier, but for you, what has been the most rewarding thing to come out of your career thus far?
2: I'm not sure yet because I, I really feel I'm not done and I still have that feeling of there's more to do. There's more to do. Um, I always feel very fulfilled when I help someone put their matches together and they do good. You know, as a general answer, that's something I'm, I'm really proud of. Or when somebody thinks I'm going to do bad and I just kill it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, but yeah, um, yeah, I just feel this year, like I've waited 25 years and now it's my time. I've, I've been polite enough. I've been too nice. Mm-hmm. I, I want this and I don't care if I'm 42, if you think I'm too old. I think I'm doing the best I can, like not the best I can, but the best I have ever had before. I'm having killer matches. And no, I feel like work a little like smarter. I've, I've, I've watched some of my, my old matches and I'm like, oh, wow, Ooh, <laughs> not enough selling. You didn't look like the crowd. Now I see things I did not see before, understand. But now I'm like, I'm like, yeah, now I feel ready. And I've been for a while, but I think it, yeah, 2022, uh, that's my year
0: move out of the way. <laughs> Ooh, kind of goosebumps over here. And, and and you definitely did touch on the fact that you love those those fine tuning and, and the finishing touches. And, and being able to kind of critique yourself and learn is, is such an incredible thing to be able to do. So I mean, aside from being a, a mentor and, and a, an absolute badass in the ring, you touched on your artistic side a little bit you're also a designer who's created t-shirt designs for yourself and for other wrestlers. Was this something that kind of stayed with you throughout your whole career or is it something that you started tapping into during the course of your your wrestling career?
2: Uh, It started pretty much before or, well, before. I I went to school for photography in, in 97, 98. So I was just starting in wrestling, I wanted to be a sports photographer because I wanted to take pictures of wrestlers. <laughs> I wanted to be like a young Jim Cornette or, uh, or Paul Amen, I, I guess, to go to the shows and, you know, take pictures of the wrestlers. Um, but throughout this course, I, I like noticed I was having a lot more fun editing the pictures on Photoshop mm-hmm. and doing graphic design than taking the actual pictures. So I ended up going to school for, you um, graphic like a de- graphic design and multimedia design and i've used that my whole career to make my own website and i started designing my t-shirts and i designed my own my own gear i did my own dvds and a lot of you know some wrestlers started to ask, like, hey can you design me something can you do you know so i started designing a lot of wrestling gear i've designed gear for um for mercedes martinez and i've designed uh, lately, I, I did also something for Sami Zayn, for Sledge, uh, and other uh, wrestlers throughout the independent circuit. And actually, yesterday it's funny. I was watching Ring of Honor, and Sledge was wearing his t-shirts, and I designed it. So I was like, oh, that's my design!" I was like, "I was,", <laughs> I was it made me so happy. Um, so yeah, it's it's really something I've used throughout and still do today, and I even use it now to help other people like create. Their characters, their, their gear to their entrance jackets or anything, t-shirt designs, all kinds of stuff.
1: Now, besides designing and of course being a badass, what are some other things you like to do outside of professional wrestling to relax? Is it is it still Nintendo? Or no, what, what, I what still have you been play. doing? Lately? I, I have
2: a PS4, but I only bought like old games, like I have the Mega Man collection, yeah. the Castlevania collection. I need like pixels. I don't want nothing that has to do with joysticks or 3D (laughs) or nothing. No, 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 two side, pixels, (laughs) and it's like, that's it. I still play Dig Dug and Pac-Man. Yeah, I like the old school kind of stuff. So um, I I do play a little bit, but uh, I just got, my, my boyfriend just bought me a guitar again, well, a few months ago. So I started playing it again. I completely stopped so now I have a nice Jackson V, which was my dream guitar and I have it now so I do that and I go to concerts like I said I'm a big heavy metal fan. Yes, at 40, 40 years old, I was in the pit at Anthrax and I was pushing people, and I ended up in the wall of death and then a war dance and all. Yeah, I, was, I told me that. Um, <laughs> I push people for fun, but it's a happy mosh pit at Anthrax. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, concerts, um, going, you know, Iron Maiden concerts. I went to see ghosts. Like, I have, like, yeah, every time there's a band, i tickets. <laughs> there's that meme from the fish I what's her name in in um, the mermaid that little mermaid and it's like I gotta save money oh look tickets that's me. <laughs> that's so me like it's like I right, gotta save money it's like oh cost your tickets. so it's like <laughs> every single time I can't say no yeah but
0: luckily your history uh, has kind of prepared you for the wall of death I think a little bit you're a little bit more more <laughs> yes. hardened a little a little tougher um but so, okay, aside from, you know, the potential upcoming concerts, we, we did see on social media, we talked about a little bit earlier, that things are being finalized for your U.S. visa. Is there anything that you can share with us about potential things that are coming up for you? Um,
2: well, so far, like, I haven't really confirmed anything fully because, as I said, as long as I don't have that paper in my hand, I don't want to get excited because throughout the tw- past 25 years, I've been so close to bigger promotions to only end up like, oh, well, your hardcore pass is not good. Like, oh, we don't like your energy in the past or you're too fat. I got that. You don't look like Sable. That's another one I got. Um, you don't have enough sex appeal. That's another one I got. And it's like every time in last year, um, I, was, I had like my plane ticket set up to go To a trial, and it was pretty like I was pretty confident it was going something. COVID happened. So, my past history is like, don't get excited. (laughs) You know, things will happen. Even for my visa, I was like, oh, I have it. But it's like, oh, no, there's one more step. You got to go to the Embassy, you got to stamp your passport. There's a little interview. It's really a formality, but. So as long as it's not done and I'm not looking at it with my own eyes, I'm like, wait, please wait. (laughs) I don't wanna get excited and book things. And then I'm like, I don't have it. (laughs) So yeah, but I, I can't wait. I've been talking to promoters already and I'm really excited at the possibilities.
1: Of course. And I mean, looking towards the future of pro wrestling, you talk about really taking a lot of pride from being able to critique people's matches and and really speak your voice and have that make the biggest difference. And we've seen that not only through NWA Empower, power, I mean, not to its full extent, but maybe more in the future. And of course the ring of honor women's divisions and those two events and promotions have certainly stepped up for women's wrestling this past year and have made big statements I think so for you what do you want to see happen next in women's wrestling specifically to elevate it even more in the years to come
2: um like from when I started to today there's such a huge gap of what was and what is now that I think the only thing that could get better is you know we can only go up from here because I feel women's wrestling now is taking seriously, not everywhere. Um, One thing I really wish that would happen, like, would be ageism is something in women's wrestling. Whatever people don't like to hear, it is there, and don't give me the two, three examples of people who've been there for so long that they kind of grew older there, or they, um, I'm, I'm, people are getting fired because they're too old. That's that's the truth, okay? And people are not getting hired because they're too old, but that's definitely something that needs to change. Why is the man seen as a veteran and experienced and a woman would be seen as too old? That is the biggest, I think my biggest pet peeve right now, which, um, you know, why, why Mercedes Martinez right now uh, is, not at NXT helping the others and or t- Taya Valkyrie. Like I fell down my chair. I was like, mm, mm-hmm. what? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, I hate you guys so much. Um, and in the Indies, it's not necessarily something you'll see as much, but it's there, uh, it's more quiet. I would say though, some promoters will rather book uh, youth and Beauty before um experience, but to help youth and beauty, you need that experience. So it goes together. It's not too many times I've seen two green girls fighting each other who had no clue what they were doing, but they have so much potential that being with someone with more experience could have been beneficial to them and to the show itself. So that's one thing. And also I um, it's funny that you mentioned that question would, what to um, work on so it gets better. There's the opposite where I also see people booking women wrestlers in main event just because they wanna put two women wrestlers in main events. You're not helping the women doing that. Yeah, it's cool. And honestly, from again, from where I came from to this, to me, it's like, wow. But if you don't believe that this is the best match you have on your card, and it's not a championship match and nothing, don't put the women there just to say, oh, I have two women in my main event. Put them in a spot where they'll push their limits, they'll be comfortable, they'll, um, yeah, they'll give you the best, you know, the best performance and they'll have the best experience and they'll wanna come back and wrestle there and it's gonna be fun. Because in the end, like, yes, it's, it's work, Uh, We need to perform, but it's also important to have fun while you're doing it because you're putting your body on the line. Um, At least have some fun doing it. And so, yeah, that's something I would say as a promoter, you know, don't put women on your card because you think, you know, I want two girls there. Uh, Do it because you strongly believe that that's where they belong.
1: Do you have maybe any aspirations to develop your own wrestling card or promotion sometime? since we're talking about moving forward into 2022? Um,
2: I did book some shows here and there in the past. Like when I was living in Pennsylvania, I was running Rogue Women Warriors, uh, which was the female division of the Atomic Championship Wrestling in Pennsylvania. And we were doing half like half man, half man matches, half women's. Uh, matches the whole card so it was basically one woman's match one one guy's match so um, and we were doing that from 2016 till I think they're still doing it today and um, but I mean I did it before it's a lot of work honestly Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you are a promoter or booker my god bless you because I know People calling you the day of to cancel and somebody ends up in the ditch. They had a car accident right on the spot. You got to change everything. And I was working on the videos and multimedia too. So switch everything. It's it's like, and then I was wrestling on the show too. I was like, oh, uh, that's too much. So I, if I would do it, I would not wrestle. That's the only thing I would do. (laughs) Um, I like it. It's, it's challenging, but I'd rather have someone being the booker and being the promoter and I'll be your happy agent and I'm going to help you, <laughs> you know, do the, the great things with the wrestlers and help them with the matches and, um, but yeah, I can do it. I enjoy it, but I think being an agent or uh, like a, a segment producer, as they call them, like it's,
1: it's more um, what I love to do. And definitely, we look forward to hopefully seeing you back in the ring and, of course, doing more work contributing towards this new crop of talent today. And Lufisto, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. Of course, we'll be linking all of your social medias down below. But for our audio listeners, can you please share where they can find you online?
2: Yeah, the easiest way is simply go on lufisto.com. And all the links are there from my Twitter, my Instagram. Like Twitter, at Lufisto, Wounded Out Lufisto on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Lufisto. But honestly, do not remember. Do not try to remember all this. Just go to Lufisto.com,
0: and there's links, and I'm easy to find. You've made it very, very simple for everyone. Thank you, Lufisto. Uh, so be, be sure also, my friends at home, that you are following Ella J, on, uh, at Illa, at it's Ella J on Twitter and checking out a Wrestling Gal podcast with new episodes every week. And then you can find me at A-Y-Y underscore Marino on all the socials and on new updates of Let's Get Serial Saturday afternoon. Lefisto, the, the sky is the limit in the world of women's wrestling and you've done so much already and you continue to do more. We're excited to see what is next. So thank you so much for joining us today. For Lefisto and Ella J, I'm Alyssa Marino. We will see you next time on the next edition of CCW's In and Out the Locker Room.